Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Where KSL offers Utah deeper insights on the news. Host Boyd Matheson divides rage from reason and elevates the conversation on issues crucial to our community. On KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. Progressives in the House of Representatives continue to hold a hard line when it comes to passing the bipartisan infrastructure bill. Uh, they want to have very specifics in terms of the reconciliation bill, which, again, this is kind of the giant social safety net bill uh, that they agreed to. And they want a commitment of 50 votes in the Senate uh, before they move anything forward in the House. But the president's pushing them to, to pass his agenda item first. Uh, so he's actually hoping he can get both of these bills passed before he uh, takes off uh, for uh, Glasgow, Scotland, for the climate summit. Uh, he also has a meeting with uh, Pope Francis, and then, of course, the G20 Economics uh, Summit is there in Rome. A very important week for the president, to be sure. Uh, so the question then, as we've been talking about uh, centrists and coming uh, to the middle in terms of negotiations, not necessarily abandoning your principles, checking them at the door, but is compromise possible? And so where does the reconciliation bill stand at this point? Uh, it's really interesting to see how this has been uh, going even just throughout the day today, knowing that when we began the day, the president had less than 72 hours before he was going to board Air Force One and uh, hop across the pond there and begin uh, a week of international focus. And even throughout the day today, there's uh, the the new line uh, from both uh, Nancy Pelosi in the House and Chuck Schumer in the Senate is that they're very close and that they're very optimistic that there are four or five or six items that they got to get resolved before they can move it all forward. And so this becomes really interesting and a real challenge for the president. The president obviously wants a win before he gets on a plane and meets uh, with other heads of state uh, over in Italy, in particular at the economic summit. Uh, he needs some wins. He needs to say, look, I can get these things done when it comes to climate and a host of other issues at home. Uh, we can deal with these things internationally as well. But as of the weekend, uh, as the, you look at that reconciliation package, which has gone from somewhere around three and a half trillion to two to one seven five, maybe one five, somewhere in there in terms of a social safety net bill, uh, rather than where they they began. Uh, but here's what Nancy Pelosi said over the weekend uh, to CNN about where they are in that process. We have 90 percent of the bill agreed to and written. We just have some of the last uh, decisions to be made. Uh, it is less than we had uh, 
was projected to begin with, but it's still bigger than anything we have ever done in, in, in terms of addressing the needs of America's working families. So that's an important messaging standpoint uh, coming from Speaker Pelosi. Uh, she also said today that uh, we have to celebrate these two bills, these two packages, for what they are uh, rather than what they wanted them to be. Uh, so they are starting to pivot in terms of the messaging, which may be an indication that they are a little closer than maybe many have let on. Uh, although there are people uh, still digging in heels on a, a lot of issues. Uh, Representative Ro Khanna, a Democrat from California, one of the senior members of the House Progressive Caucus. Uh, he's one of the deputy whips there. Uh, he spoke over the weekend as well uh, to Chris Wallace. And he painted it uh, this way in terms of where the president is, where they are, and what actually needs to get done. The president looked us in the eye and he said, I need this before I go represent the United States in Glasgow. American prestige is on the line. Many members understand that we're working very hard to get a deal. Uh, I understand we're close and I'm confident we're going to get there. Representative Connor was uh, asked if he would approve the infrastructure package, again, the $1.2 trillion bipartisan package, without a specific agreement on reconciliation. Here was his response. No, and the president doesn't want that. The president needs the reconciliation agreement to go to Glasgow. That's what is going to deal with climate change. That's what's going to hit his goals of 50 percent reduction by 2030. Uh, Representative Connor also said that if the president promised promised that 50 senators would vote for the reconciliation bill, that would be enough for him to accept the reconciliation framework. So remember, on the reconciliation bill, there's still a lot of that that needs to be written. They've been talking about it in terms of framework. This is going to be 2,500, 2,700 pages uh, on the social infrastructure component. And so uh, Representative Connor said, look, this we've got to, we've got to get to 50. We, if we don't have 50, uh, we can't get there. But if we do have 50, then, then there's some room. My view is that the president's word saying, I have the commitment of 50 senators and those 50 senators are going to vote for this bill. And here is the uh, are the details that that's good enough. But look, different members have different uh, issues about what is exactly good enough. I don't think proceduralism will hold this back. If the president gives his word and has a clear commitment, that will be good enough. And then finally, just one more uh comment from Representative Conaghan, Democrat out of California, part of that uh, senior leadership of the Progressive Caucus uh, within the Democratic Caucus in the House of Representatives. The conversation shifted and focused on Senator Manchin uh, and Senator Sanders and how uh, they've got to kind of sort through their disagreements from the Senate side. Uh, But if they do that, he feels that uh, the House can actually get it done. If 50 senators agree with it, if you can get Senator Manchin and Senator Sanders to agree on something, I don't think you're going to have the House vote against it. So if the president represents that 50 senators are on board with the framework, uh, he'll have the House. Now, if there's a holdout, if progressive senators are opposed to it, then there's a problem. And uh, Press Secretary Jen Psaki uh, weighed in uh, talking about uh, the two bills and how they were progressing and what the cost was going to be. Uh, and she deferred uh, to the leadership of the House and the Senate. We'll leave the, the mechanics uh, to uh, Speaker Pelosi and Leader Schumer. Uh, obviously, the president continues to want to get both pieces of legislation done. We are in regular touch with Congresswoman Jayapal, um, who we've been working with uh, through every stage of this process. Uh, very important that uh, Jen Psaki rec- uh, rec- uh, 
Badeep, badeep, mm-hmm. uh, re- referenced uh, Representative Jayapal uh, because she has become one who is digging in a little harder on some of the fine-tuning mechanics of all of this. And so interesting that that was noted. It's also interesting to me in terms of deferring the mechanics uh, to Speaker Pelosi and Leader Schumer. And this is part of where I think the rub is for a lot of the American people and for a lot of members of Congress from both sides of the political aisle. And that is that so much of this is being done behind closed doors. So you've got Speaker Pelosi and Leader Schumer uh, and their counterparts uh, with the Minority Leader McCarthy and with Senate Minority uh, Leader McConnell all getting in a room and, and coming together with something that is all wrapped up and tied with a bow. Maybe it's tied with chains uh, so that it cannot be amended, that there can't be debate on it. It's just an all or nothing. This is all we could come up with. And so you have to vote yes or no. Uh, and that's what's wrong with the system and the process. And there's two ways to fix this. Part of the way we have to fix this is a we the people issue in terms of who we're sending back there. The other part is that those we have sent back there have to assert their proper rights and authorities as representatives and senators. When we were talking earlier with with the former uh, senator, uh, we were looking at the fact that any one senator, any two senators can come together uh, and have an impact on negotiations and what they want and what they need for the people that they represent. But so often we're just abdicating it. Members in the House and members in the Senate just abdicate and they allow leadership leadership to go behind closed doors and work it all out and get it to an end product and then fasten it uh, with a ball and chain and say, this is it, up or down vote, that's all you get. Uh, that's not how it's supposed to work. And so we, we got to get back to the process and we got to get back to a real transparent process, real debate, real compromise, real amendments, and then we can have a real vote. and We can actually hold people accountable for the outcome. All right, we're going to step aside for a quick commercial break. When we come back, of course, one of the ways we have to deal with this is how are you going to pay for all that? Uh, We're going to just break down some of those ideas coming from Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen coming up next. It's the story of an American held in a dark Venezuelan prison. Then all of a sudden they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. I'm Becky Bruce. I spent a year working on Hope in Darkness, which now has more than 2 million downloads. Find it on kslpodcast.com or wherever you listen to podcasts. 